We are here to walk through Philippians. We are on the next portion of Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. So last time we went through verses 1 through 11 of chapter 3. If you remember what we talked about last time, the main idea of our message was to value knowing Christ above all else. Paul kind of gave us a summary of that in chapter 3, verse 8, where he said that he counted everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as his Lord. So Paul went through this and he talked about how we should know Christ, how everything else was lost. None of the things mattered in his past. He remembered his past though. It's important for us to note that for our text today. He gave us the seven different things, four of which from birth, three of which that he had done. And then he says, all of that is worthless. All of those human efforts are lost. None of those human efforts matter. It's all about the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He talked about how his justification was, was, was awesome in giving him grace so that he could be justified before a holy God. He talked about knowing Christ more and more and the sanctification that that brought so that he might attain the resurrection of the dead in verse 11, and that's our glorification. So the whole aspect of salvation. So now we move into a corrective. It's almost like he, he was preaching, he was writing, but it's almost like he was preaching or he's communicating and he was saying something and all of a sudden he got to it and he goes, oh, wait a second, here's going to be the pushback. The pushback is going to be that you're already there, you've already arrived, you're already perfect. And so in 12 through 16, what we're going to see is we're going to see that Paul is saying right up front, I haven't arrived yet. Now, even as I think about how to communicate this text to you, I have two competing ideas in my mind. Because there are some of you, there are some of us, there are some moments in life where we honestly aren't working hard enough to pursue Christ. And Philippians tells us, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good purposes. So if you're here and you're not reading your Bible and you're not meditating on scripture and you're not praying and you're not focusing on all those spiritual disciplines that you need to do to learn more about God, to grow in your love for God, for your affections to be set, there's one portion of me that really wants to push in and say to you, look what he's gonna say to us in the text. I press on, and he says I press on twice in these verses. Repetition, we underline, we mark, we highlight, because that tells us it's important. So for some of you, you really need to hear today, press on. You really need to hear a heart and a concern that says to you, if you don't have these habits in your life, when you leave a Christian community, when you no longer have chapel regularly, when you no longer have a Bible minor, when you no longer live in a dorm full of Christian friends that spur you on to godliness, what's going to happen to your spiritual growth if you don't have the disciplines to say, I'm reading the Word, I'm meditating on the Word, I'm praying to God, I'm seeking that personal relationship. You're going to fall away. You're going to drift off. You're going to move into some hard times. And I, I want to I urge you and caution you now, right now, don't wait, press on. But then there's this other portion of my mind as I even think about this and press on this that says, some of you have really sensitive spirits. You, you have tender hearts towards the Lord and you really want to pursue God. And in your mind, you know, I fell over and over again and that failure, it really beats you up. It beats us all up. 
to know that I really want to live my life 100% completely sold out for Christ and every day I get up and every day there's a failure somewhere in my own heart, somewhere in my own mind, somewhere in my own actions or my words or the things I don't do that I should have done. And over and over, I'm beating myself up. I can't believe I failed him again. And to you, I want to say, Paul says he hasn't arrived yet. 30 years, according to one of the commentaries, after his salvation experience, Paul writing to the Philippians, and Paul says, I haven't attained this yet. And so if you're the sensitive spirit with a sensitive conscience, and you get so down on yourselves about why can't I just be what I need to be? Why is it that Romans 7 versus Romans 8? Why is it Romans 7? I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do. Why is it that this sin nature, this sin struggle, this leftover flesh is so strong in pulling me away from the God I love? If that's you, if that's your sensitive spirit, and you find yourself at some moments in anxiety or in depression or in doubt. Why can't I do this? I want to say to you, keep pressing on. But recognize that Philippians 1.6 tells us that Paul says, he writes, I have confidence that he who began the good work in you will complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. We all fell. We all have to keep pressing on. But it's God who has called us. It's God that will keep us. It's God through his spirit that will work these things out. So keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep surrounding yourself with a Christian community. And when you mess up, keep stumbling forward together. You're not there yet and neither am I. So as we walk through this text, as we walk through the application of this text, there's two very, very different applications. If you're not pressing on, if you're not in the race, oh, I fear for your soul. I fear for where you're going to be. Get in the race, press on, pursue Christ. If you're pursuing Christ and you're beating yourself up because you're human, and you're sinful, and you're not yet glorified. I want to say to you, rest in the goodness and grace and mercy of the Lord. Keep pressing on. But know that God has already died for all of your sins. Don't, don't sin so that grace may abound. But recognize you're not there yet. And in this life, you never will be. So what's our main idea is we're going to look through 12 through 16. Here's the main idea of your text. Keep pursuing the call of God. As we're going to read our text here in just a second, Paul is going to tell us he presses on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Important words there. So the main idea of our text is we're going to keep pursuing or we're going to keep pressing on towards the call of God. We're not going to arrive but in this life, every day, we keep stumbling forward. We keep falling forward. We keep failing forward. So that in a matter of time, when we look back, we'll find out that we have progressed farther than we thought was possible. Here are the two points that I want to focus on out of this text. Persistent progress. 
I want all of us. I want myself. I want my children. I want my family. I want you. I want everybody that I care about to consistently make progress in their spiritual growth towards godliness, towards that call of God, that upward call of God in Christ Jesus, towards sanctification, being set apart for Christ to be used according to his purposes. Persistent progress, not perfection. You can't do it. It's a weight too heavy for you to bear, but persistent progress. And then I want us all to have perceptive thinking. Perceptive thinking matures the word used here in the text. I use a P to help us remember it. Perceptive thinking, mature thinking. What does it mean to be perfect? It's the play on the word with the Greek. It means that once you're mature in your Christian thinking, you're going to realize you haven't arrived and you're never going to. Paul, 30 years after his salvation experience. Paul, a persecutor of the church with that type zeal, turned to a missionary for the Lord with zeal now for Christ, says to all of us, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived yet. If Paul hasn't arrived yet, then dear brothers and sisters, neither have we. Mature Christian thinking does not say, I am an awesome Christian. Mature Christian thinking says, how can I still be sinning? How can I be this flesh driven? How can my mind and my thoughts and my actions drift so far away from God? Oh, but God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Perceptive thinking, a humility to know who we are and a wisdom to know how gracious and great God is. All right, let's read our text. We'll walk through this. Philippians chapter three, beginning verse 12. Notice here he's going to say, not that I have obtained. He's going to say that twice. And then he's going to say, press on twice. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfect. All right, so you see it, perfectionist in the room, beating yourself up. Paul here, I'm not already perfect, but I press on. To those who aren't working hard enough, press on. To make it my own. Play on words here, I want to make in my own because Christ Jesus has already made me his own. This is not works-based salvation. This is living the Christian life after salvation. I'm going to press on to make what's already been made mine. Christ has saved me through his work on the cross. I'm not saved by good works. I'm saved to good works. I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, so that then through the power of the Holy Spirit living within me, I can do good things for God's glory. I'm going to press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Again, a corrective here, lest you think I've already made it. No, I haven't made it my own, but this one thing I do, what's the one thing? The one thing is the pressing on. He's going to give us two ways he does it here. But the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God's going to reveal that to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. All right, let's look at our first point here. We've got our text so we can walk through this. Persistent progress, verses 12 through 14. Not that I've already attained 
or I'm already perfect, I press on. So let's look at the way he says this. It's redundant. So that means as we're reading through this in our quiet time, as we're studying this text, we're going to want to use different highlighters or different colored pens if that's your thing. If that's not your thing and you're taking notes in a journal, you're going to write this in the journal. You're going to say in your mind, all right, here's what Paul is saying to us through the text. He's saying to me repeatedly, I haven't already obtained this. I'm not already perfect. I do not consider that I have made it. So here's a lesson for me. Paul is writing and he's saying to the church, even though he's the one that God chose through the Holy Spirit to inspire his revelation to us, we are not perfect. We have not made it. We cannot be arrogant in our Christian life and think we're better than anybody else. We are all simply sinners saved by grace in need of the gospel each and every day in need of that grace more and more. All right, I've got it redundantly he's telling me I need to be humble about my Christian life because I am not there yet. No pride, no arrogance, no lifting my nose up or thinking I'm better than somebody else. Joint sinners, fellow sinners, stumbling forward together for the glory of God. So I say to all of you, if you think, I I want my teachers to think I'm perfect, too late. You're human. We know you're not perfect. You're here. You're, you're messed up. You've got problems. We all do. All of us have equipment, defective, return to sender, return to maker. We know you have issues in life. Don't try to put up a whitewashed fence and think that you're perfect and make us try to think that you're perfect. We just know you're getting better at hiding the bad stuff if you're not telling us what you're struggling with. What we want to do is lock arms together, struggle together, overcome those things one at a time so that we are stumbling forward together, so that we are falling forward together so that we are failing forward together so we are constantly pressing on to make progress for the ultimate glory of God. There's another redundancy in this passage. But I press on in verse 12. But one thing I do, I press on in verse 14. So you're not there yet. You're not going to be there. You're not going to make it to Christian perfection until you die or until Jesus comes back and raptures us up to be with him. It's not going to happen. So what do you do in the meantime? Press on, brother and sister. Yeah, but I messed up today. I messed up bad. Ask for forgiveness and press on. But my thought processes just aren't where they need to be. Stumble forward together and press on. Read your Bible, meditate on scripture, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to grant you strength to overcome the things you're struggling with right now. Find those brothers and sisters that you can trust and lock arms with them and say, here's my issue right now. Here's what I'm struggling with right now. Will you come alongside me? Will you help me? Will you keep me accountable? Find somebody that's older than you, a mentor that you can lean to and say, here's what I'm struggling with. How do I get past this? How do I stumble on past this? Look back for somebody else that's struggling with something you used to struggle with and give them hope and say, wait a second, there's victory over that through the power the Holy Spirit. You can overcome that and I can help you. I've been there. I know what to do. Let's walk together and I'll grab your hand and you grab mine and we will make progress together. That's the Christian community we need to have here at Cedarville, brothers and sisters. We know we're all messed up. We know we need the grace of the gospel. We lock arms and we say, let's overcome together. Let's press on together. So how do we press on? 
he gives us right there in verse 14. Look at what he's saying here. I press on the one thing I do, the one thing, the most important thing, the thing I'm going to point to is I press on. How do I do the pressing on? Well, there's two ways here. There's two different aspects of what he points to. He says, number one, forgetting what lies behind. Now, remember, In the biblical text, when you say forgetting, when it talks about how God has forgotten our sins, it doesn't mean that God doesn't forget. He can't forget anything. He knows everything. When it's telling us to forget what lies behind, it doesn't mean we put it out of our memory so that we no longer know it exists. It means that we no longer allow the memory of those past things to influence our future or control our future. So you messed up really bad at one point in your life. And you think for some reason God can't forgive me for this. Let me just in a kind, nice way say to you that's prideful, arrogant thinking because you're not important enough that you can mess up so bad that God's grace is not deep enough that he can't forgive you. So whatever horrible thing it is that you've done, God is mightier and stronger and more forgiving and more gracious than whatever that may be. Paul held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. Paul persecuted the church. And Paul is saying to us in this text, forgetting those things which lie behind, forgetting those things, I'm not going to let them control my future. So most of you, I assume, have a driver's license. You like to drive. When you drive, do you stare at the rearview mirror the entire time? Do you drive in reverse, looking through the rearview mirror, or if you have a newer car, through the camera that's in the back bumper that shows you what's behind you on your little LCD screen? Do you drive in reverse? You don't, do you? You look through the big windshield at what's ahead of you, and every now and then, you check to see what's in the rearview mirror. You check to see what's in the side mirrors. You check to see if there's something behind you, something coming up. If you're on the interstate, if a car's coming up to the side. In your Christian life, if you are so focused on what's behind you that it's affecting what's in front of you, can I just say to you, it's okay to glance and see where we've been on occasion, but it's not okay to let where we've been control where we're going. God can still use you, brother or sister. He can still use me. He can still use all of us, even though we have made mistakes, because it's not about us. It's actually about him. It's about his glory. And you think through the Old Testament, there were some messed up people in the Old Testament, and God still used them for his glory. Think about Abraham lying about his wife. You think about David and Bathsheba. You think about Samson and all that he did. You think about all of these Old Testament saints and you look around and you say, God still used them because it's not about them. It's about God and it's about his glory. All right, let me make sure I walk through this. Not that we've already attained or that we're already perfect, we press on. Play on words here. We want to make it our own because Jesus has made me his own. But then he repeats, I don't consider I've made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and pressing forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So pressing on, straining forward. This is that idea. There's two different theories of what this could be. It could be the chariot races and in the chariot races, so the commentary said that you had to actually lean forward 
in those chariot races in order to keep your balance. And so as you were leaning forward, you would have to strain to make sure that you didn't lose your balance. Others would just say this is more like running. Running fits better for us. It's what we know. As you're running, if you're running on distance or if you're running on a short track or whatever it is, you run, but you don't look behind you. When you look behind you, it slows you down. And then somebody's going to pass you. You don't care about who's coming behind you. You look forward. You keep your focus on the, on the prize, on the goal, on the finish line. And you run. And then when you get close to that finish line tape, those runners, they always strain forward. They always lean forward. Sometimes they throw their arms back. I, I was looking up some images to see if I could grab one I wanted to use. And some even die for the finish line, which has to be really bad for the skin on your knees after you die for that finish line. It's pressing forward. So this is not a sprint. The Christian life is a marathon. You, you don't just wake up one morning and go run a marathon. Well, some of you might. I don't wake up one morning and go run a marathon. We make consistent progress toward the goal. We keep our eyes ahead. We strain forward. All right, point number two, perceptive thinking, verses 15 and 16. Let those of us who are mature. Now, in the Greek, that word mature is the exact same word that's perfect in earlier verses. In verse 12, he says, not that I'm already perfect. So now perhaps there were some that were saying in Philippi, oh, we're perfect. Perhaps he's using a play there. Perhaps he's just having some fun with the words. And he's saying, I'm not already perfect. But those of you who are mature, those of you who think you're perfect, if you think you're perfect and you're mature in your mind, here's what you're going to think. Those of us who are mature know that we haven't arrived, we haven't attained, we're not already perfect, and that we have to press on, press on, press on. And if in anything you think otherwise, look at the confidence he has in God here. If anything you think otherwise, God's going to reveal it to you. It's not, it's not my job to argue with you, to demean you, to convince you that you haven't arrived. God's going to convince you you haven't arrived. God's going to convince you you need to keep pressing on. God is through his word, if you're in his word, through his word preached, through the local church, through those around you. He's going to reveal this to you. Verse 16, only let us hold true, march in step, lock arms together, military marching connotations here. Only let us stay in the line, stay in formation, keep trudging forward. Let us lock in and hold true to what we have attained and keep marching forward together. So what do I want you to get out of this 15 and 16? If you're mature in your thinking, if you are perceptive in your Christian thinking, you're going to recognize that you have not arrived yet. And you're going to recognize that every day I need to press on. It, this, is why, this is why I tell you no Bible, no breakfast. You don't have to have your quiet time in the morning. I understand that. You can do it in the evening. You can do it in the afternoon. For me, it's got to be in the morning. No Bible, no breakfast. I wake up in the morning and I'm hungry. I need the word because I know how strong my flesh is. I know how fallen I am. And I fear for you that if you don't develop a habit to be in the word, not reading the word to check a legalistic box, reading the word to know the savior of the word, building that relationship through the word, 
surrounding yourselves with encouraging brothers and sisters. Once you leave Cedarville, joining a church that preaches the word, that honors God, that creates community, that has accountability for you, that if you don't do those things in your life, that one day I'm going to hear about a shipwreck that has happened, a drifting off of the path. Brothers and sisters, I want you to have good disciplines in your life so that you wake up and you're excited about getting into the word. You are excited about the Savior who has offered you such grace that your heart and your affections flow towards Jesus. You just can't wait to sing praises to his name. You want to join with fellow believers to listen to the word preached, to sing praises, to walk together in Christian community. Is that where your affections are? So if you're in the room right now and you're saying to me, my affections are not to press on. I don't want to press on like this. This this is foreign to me. That's a warning sign for you that your affections and your heart are not where they need to be. Those who are mature, those who have that perceptive thinking in the Christian life recognize I am so sinful. There's a humility about my lack of ability to do this myself that I know I have to rely on the Spirit. I know I have to rest in God. I know I have to trust in His grace. I know I need the Word reforming my heart, transforming my mind, renewing it daily so that I'm not conformed to this world, so that I can live in a way that honors God. I'm not convinced I need to have a quiet time. I don't know what to say to you other than to say to you, you can't do this alone. You are not strong enough to walk the Christian life without the help of the Word and the Spirit and the local church and the body of believers. Oh, but when you put it all together and you stumble forward and you fall forward and you fail forward, and you see the Lord's grace in your life after each one of those moments drawing you closer and closer and closer to Him, and you see the affections of your heart moving from the things of this world to your Savior, and then Jesus brings you more and more satisfaction, more and more joy, and you see your life being transformed day by day, renewed day by day. The joy and the peace and the happiness that that brings you, that's what I want for you. Press on. It's plural. It's plural, which to somebody that's more of an introvert and self-sufficient and bent in that way, it's convicting because it's plural. And it means I can't do it on my own. It's let us. You think maturely, you think perceptively, you understand you can't do it alone. When you leave this place, get in a good, solid church. Don't be somebody who just walks in the back door to get your cup filled up. You're not a consumer, you are a producer. Here's your application. Here's my question for you. What habits are you developing right now to pursue God? A habit, a good habit. When you're, when you're a kid, we try to develop habits as parents. Eat your vegetables, brush your teeth, floss, take a bath, wash your hands. All of these things are habits that we try to develop that are good hygiene. What good spiritual hygiene habits are you developing in your life right now that will carry you for the rest of your life, knowing that you're never going to be perfect, knowing you're always going to need them? What are you doing? 
If your answer is nothing, that, that should be a warning sign to you this morning. If your answer is, all right, I'm trying to do this, this, and this, and I keep failing and I keep missing, it's okay. Keep stumbling forward. And number two, I want to say to you, there's a balance in this. Remember earlier in the text, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you. I don't want this to come across as though it's we have to pull up our bootstraps by ourselves. We have to take on all this effort. We have to be the ones that keep pressing on. There's an aspect of this that God is going to do it. We do our part. He does his part in the sanctification process. And don't get this mixed up with salvation. You are not saved by works, lest anyone should boast. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. In sanctification, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that you don't get any of the credit, you don't get the prize, you don't get any of the rewards, because it's the Holy Spirit, it's God working in you for His glory. So we always give the glory for Him for anything good that happens. So I want to say to you this morning, if you feel like a failure, God called you. God has called you to be saved to follow him, to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God has forgiven you because Christ Jesus has paid your penalty on the cross and his righteousness has been imputed to you. God loves you. God offers grace to you. And Philippians 1.6 tells us that he who began that good work in you, even though it's flawed, even though it's fallen, even though it's not perfect, he who began the good work in you will complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. And that's our hope. And that's our grace and that's our joy that even though I mess it up continuously I can repent and keep falling forward keep stumbling forward together keep failing forward together because he's the one that gets the glory and he has started it and he will complete it oh God we need your help for we are sinful and fallen and driven by our flesh and we need your grace, and we need the power of your spirit, and we need your word to speak to us, and we need Christian community around us. So God, give us the good things that we need to change our affection so that we focus our eyes on you. For your glory and not for our own. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.